Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. They may be going on vacation to just like get a break from the busyness and the stress of their life. And if eating and enjoying food and enjoying beverages is part of what relieves stress, then that needs to be a part of the trip. Enjoying lunch, enjoying the fact that you're getting fresh fish tacos and french fries and not eating a cold sandwich or leftovers from the dinner the night before. Getting home, getting back into your routine and realize nothing bad happened. And that's what it took for me. What's up, everyone? Meredith here. This is the Afternoon Snack Podcast. It's summertime, which means travel, vacation, beach days, pool days, barbecues, and lots of obligations that make nutrition just a little bit harder. And if you've ever wondered how to take your nutrition on the road, whether it's for a vacation or a work conference or a family reunion or a wedding, that's what this episode is all about. We are going to share with you our favorite tips and tricks to get the most out of your time away, your vacation, your work trip, your dinner, whatever it is, while also feeling like you are honoring your health and nutrition goals as well as your social connection and family goals. This is a great episode that's jam-packed full of useful information. So get your pen and paper ready, because here it comes. We took Rue yesterday for a little adventure, some sheep herding, which was hilarious. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was expecting to show up and just have her like kind of run around with some sheep and we get there and it was like a class. It was. And there were only about six people with their very border collie dogs, like very intense dogs. And they're like all kind of like rancher types. Yeah, they were. So it was an Airdrie. Yeah. So we walk in and thankfully I wore jeans and wasn't wearing like my usual city sweatpant attire because I knew I might want to fit in a little bit. So I wore my jeans and we walk in with Rue, who's like not only half Border Collie, but like not black and also looks like a cartoon character. It was so weird because I think Rue is like a really beautiful dog. I mean, she's ours, but she is a good looking animal. And we walk in to the paddock who's inside and these border collies, they're all like tethered to the gate, the fence. And they were laying down, just like staring at the sheep that were on the other end of the paddock. Rue walked in and I think one of them turned around to look at her and then just like turned back around to look at the sheep. She was like, this is not the reaction I usually get at the dog park. She's like, so this this isn't the dog park? It was basically like Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls. Homeschooled. That's really interesting. Thanks. You're like really pretty. Thank you. So you agree? What? You think you're really pretty? Oh, I don't know. Like that was, that was sort of a dynamic. One of these things is not like the other. On a few occasions, we would like roll on her back and try to get someone to pet her belly. It was, yeah. And we were like, Rue, we're not doing that here. 
this, I need you to take this seriously. In Rue's defense, Lindsay Lohan is a babe. Yeah, and totally just makes that movie. Yeah, so really, it was fine. You're welcome. But Rue did decide after she told me that as much fun as it was chasing the sheep around, she doesn't think that she needs to learn how to herd. And she didn't know that it was going to take so much like time and training for her to learn how to do it because it looks really easy when she watches the dogs on Instagram. Oh. But she doesn't think she has the time with the mountain biking and the running and watching over Ivy and things like that. So, Well, thanks for getting to the bottom of that for me. The trainer was like, so yeah, you're going to want to be coming like a couple times a week, (laughs) even more if you don't have access to be able to train her at home. And I was like, why are we here? We're here because she's going to cattle branding in a couple of weeks. And I want to make sure that she doesn't get herself killed by acting a fool. I don't I don't know how watching her interact with three sheep has anything to do with cattle branding where there's going to be like hundreds of cows and horses around. I don't know. She didn't try to bite anything. So I think there's a healthy amount of awareness, which is all I wanted to see. Right. And I wanted to see her do it. So that was really cool. Yeah. One of the sheep did look like Ivy. Oh, my goodness. It had a really cute face. Yeah. It's like, that looks like Ivy. Yeah. You think like a lot of animals look like Ivy. Yeah. All cute ones. I'm like, reminds me of Ivy. <sighs> the guy called her a fake border collie. Not because he knew that she wasn't a purebred border collie, but because she was brown. He said that they call all like browns and like the spot like merles. He's like, we call this fake border collies. And I was like, well, she actually is. A, she's half Australian shepherd. So she's a muggle, which he thought was a very funny joke. He was like, that's really fun. I was like, you can have it. Yeah. You'll probably never see me again. So you can have that. I enjoyed watching the dogs that kind of knew what they were doing. It was oh impressive. Goodness. Yeah. And then I also enjoyed the trainer. He was a hoot. We walked in and he was telling a story to the other people there about how he went to a boxing class in Airdrie. And he shows up at this gym, a boxing gym, to learn how to box and see what it was about, his words. And he turns out he showed up for the fitness class, which, based on his description, sounded a lot like CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I get there. First of all, I have to like find shoes. He's wearing like his dad's old black skater shoes, sweatpants that don't really fit. And he he's like, the first thing that happens when I show up is they hand me a jump rope and tell me to go get warmed up. And he's like, I didn't know what to do. And then was talking about how sore he was. And he meanwhile, was like, we're just like Meredith and I are standing there like, OK. Yeah. He was like, why would I ever do a workout that would make me too sore to do my job? Too sore to walk. Yeah. I'm like, well, I mean, that's flawed logic, but I guess I get your point. Yeah, we didn't argue. We just listened. And then he started talking about nutrition. Yes. And he made some not totally ridiculous points, but he's like, why does the body have to store the stuff it doesn't need? (laughs) Valid Why can't it just not use and let go of the stuff that we don't need like and then he was like you know if you're like 400 pounds like at some point why doesn't the body say you know what we don't need that we're good and i was like you know what that's not the worst no logic and then you know classic why do all of the really delicious foods have to be so bad for you he's like i heard someone one time say that they thought salads were delicious and he's like now 
it is categorically impossible for a salad to be delicious. A salad can be tasty. A salad can be yummy. A salad can be good. But a salad cannot be delicious. A salad is a promise that delicious food is coming. (laughs) I just thought that was really funny. It felt like, I mean, obviously he has no reason to know who we are, but I think in many other places around Calgary, it's high likelihood if we were to go to the farmer's market or go to the mall and just sort of like be there, we would get recognized. Like that just sort of happens. But there's no like, we go to a farm in Airdrie, no one's gonna know who we are. He doesn't realize that he's, you know, in the presence of, (laughs) no, not what I mean. But he doesn't realize like, what we do for a living and we do that crazy stupid workout that he was complaining about yeah but then again like he's probably who are these buffoons rolling up in city clothes with their city dog and this one's wearing like hiking sneakers that was me i'm sure a lot of them were trying to figure out if we were sisters if i was the friend yeah it did put me back in that situation where i was like oh i am not gonna explain this to anyone no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like i don't i don't know I'm sure it would be more accepting than a place like that in the United States. But I was like, I don't really want to get into it. Yeah. So don't we, ask. We didn't. Yeah. We we were like, you know what? This isn't the time or the place for any PDA. No, definitely not. But you know, it is the time and place for PDA if you're into that. And I guess in the right place is vacation, which is what we are going to talk about today. Not specifically PDA on vacation, although we could. We're going to talk about eating on vacation. Why are you looking at me with that face? That was the weirdest transition I've ever heard. (laughs) Well, how would you have done it? I would have just... No. What does that have to do with PDA? Look, I was just trying to make it organic. Okay, you failed, but we can move on. I forgive you. Why don't you go ahead and do it? Okay, we are going to be talking about nutrition on vacation look more importantly nutrition when traveling i guess okay we're talking about how to take your nutrition on vacation Jeez, people on the road nutrition on the road because it's not always vacation that's true that's true i did write down the wrong thing in my notes <laughs> i'm so sorry how to take your nutrition on the road this is something that we get asked a lot about as coaches and It's summertime, or maybe you're listening to this in wintertime. I don't know. Podcasts are evergreen, but vacations are a thing. Work travel is a thing. Going on trips for weddings, that's also a thing. Camping. And it's hard to be on a nutrition program at home when you have a little bit more control over your food environment to then basically be displaced into a hotel or an Airbnb and involving other people it's a, it can feel a little bit daunting to know like, shoot, what do I do? How do I, how do I stick to my commitments? How do I keep moving towards my goals when I don't have as much control as I'm used to having over my food? And it's actually a fantastic question. And it's something we help people with frequently. Many moons ago, when I started tracking my food, I was working with a nutrition coach and I'm the type of person who just, I would like nail my macros. I just took the time to like figure it out. And then I went to Pride in Toronto with you guys, you and Prevo. And I remember texting my coach and saying, I don't know how to do this. I'm just not going to track for these days because it was difficult. And it's difficult for people who are, I think, more type A when you get to a place where you're like, okay, I can't measure. I don't know what's in this. And then it almost creates more stress. That's me. But then I know other people who are better. But even for people who are great at tracking, it can 
pose a bit of a tricky situation. Well, yeah, I mean, because like fundamentally, most people don't roll up to restaurants with scales and you shouldn't do that. Agreed. I don't think that's what is necessary for anyone to have success on vacation, but like without or ever. Yeah. Or ever. But without that level of precision, a lot of people can feel like, what's the point? Like, I can't begin to understand what's exactly, what are the macros, what I'm eating. So what's the point of doing this kind of thing? Or they'll avoid those situations altogether because they don't know. And if they don't know, then they're just like, I'm just going to like stay at the Airbnb or go to Whole Foods and just make sure that I know what I'm eating so I don't have to worry about it, which maybe there's a time and place for that. But I don't think it's very common. I think a lot of people ruin vacations by just like (sighs) caring too much. The question is, is not to care or not to care. I think it's like, how do you care and stay committed while also being flexible and while also enjoying time away? That's the question. It's how do we find that middle ground? And we said it around the holidays this year, you have to decide what is going to make you feel successful and then what is going to make you happy. And then you sort of merge those two. And that's where the answer lives. And where that is, so on the spectrum of, I guess, precision or on rigidity versus flexibility, that's just going to depend on the trip and on the situation. And on the person. And why you're going. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. It's so different for everybody. So it's, you know, we can't come on here and say, you should do this on vacation. It's going to work for you. It's going to make you feel okay. Everyone's different. We hope that you can take little tidbits here, depending on where you are mentally with your nutrition and what you're working on. Yeah. So I think that what we need to honor and what people need to do a better job with is honoring that the reasons for wanting to go on vacation and have a good time and enjoy food are valid. I think it's really easy to skip straight to, like when you're thinking about trips or you're thinking about vacations, you skip to the part where you're like, shoot, well, I'm probably going to eat this. I'm probably going to drink this. And you experience a lot of preliminary shame before you're even on the vacation. And it can cause a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress ahead of this thing that is supposed to be anxiety reducing and stress relieving. So I think firstly, if you've listened to or you've read Lisa Leahy, Immunity for Change, she talks about how these juxta, this juxtaposition of goals, of having the goal to take care of your health, to eat in a healthy way, to support your activity, to support your recovery, and how certain behaviors that people do can seem to stand in the way of the primary goal. And even though those behaviors can seem contradictory, they're oftentimes coming from a valid place. And so part of being able to make the decision is understanding and respecting that this other thing is also valid instead of just skipping straight to like the feeling bad for having other feelings, I guess that sort of makes sense. Yeah. So let's take the core value of self-care or health. So eating a certain way, eating healthy, tracking, doing all those things, changing your habits that honors self-care, but so does going on vacation So does enjoying the food that you like to eat on vacation or going to dinner with your family and not being that person who's like, oh, can I get, there's nothing wrong with this. If that 
if you want to be that person, but maybe you don't want to be that person on vacation. And like that is honoring self-care as well. So looking at it from different perspectives and understanding like there's a time and a place. Yeah. And if you're on vacation and it's something that you don't do every single week, four or five days, even two weeks, not going to make or break you. Whatever you're doing should probably be something that you're planning on doing. As Meredith has said, what you're doing now is all there is. Yeah. So like two weeks off or two weeks of just like loosening the reins, allowing for a bit of flexibility is okay because there's not a time limit. It's like, it's not like, oh, I'm only doing this for two months. So I better make the most of this two weeks while I'm on vacation. Like, yeah, maybe you're only getting nutrition coaching for a three month block. So I understand that. But like, maybe there's an opportunity to talk to your coach about how to navigate nutrition while on vacation. So you're like making the most of it in a way that maybe you didn't expect to. But yeah, there's different ways to honor your goal without feeling bad yeah because there's different pathways to honor that same goal yeah and look like food and eating is a part of social connection and it has been for eons like as a species part of what allowed humans to develop into social and intelligent creatures is the fact that we would sit around and eat communally and share stories and so that's not a new thing that didn't come out of nowhere. And so it's okay and normal to crave that type of experience and that type of connection. And also, I think, you know, on the topic of it depends on the person, it depends on the person, an athlete or an Instagram influencer who goes on vacation can probably give a lot of attention to their nutrition and not feel like it's taking that much away. Because like, frankly, they live a relatively leisurely lifestyle, whereas a working parent or a busy professional or a student, they may be going on vacation to just like get a break from the busyness and the stress of their life. And if eating and enjoying food and enjoying beverages is part of what relieves stress, then that needs to be a part of the trip and the vacation. And it's not fair to to look at what an athlete is doing or what a, you know, an internet personality, someone that you follow that's like, here's how I eat on vacation to make sure that I meet my goals. It's not fair to compare yourself to people like that or people in general, because it depends on what what are your core values and what's your reason for, for going on vacation and how do you honor all goals that you have? Yeah, I mean, you see this, sometimes it doesn't even depend on the person. It depends on the time. So if you have an athlete who's in season and they're going on a vacation with their loved one, yeah, maybe they are going to be a little bit more aware of what they're eating. But if you have an athlete who just finished world championships and they're going into their off season and they go on vacation, maybe they don't give a damn about their nutrition. Maybe yeah. they're like, I'm not tracking. I'm not worrying about it. I'm not worrying about protein. I'm just going to like enjoy myself and eat whatever I want. And it's not even for a lot of people eating what they want. It's just like not planning. Yeah. Not worrying, not checking the menu before you go out. Ordering as a group. Going for tapas and being okay with yeah. whatever the hell comes on the plate. And there's obviously different people struggle in different ways. I think it's it's really only been till recently where you've been okay with doing that. I was going to have this little detour in here somewhere, but now feels fitting. What has your experience been historically with nutrition on vacation for you? Because this is an area where I think you have grown up a lot in the last few years. Yeah. My tune on nutrition 
on vacation and traveling has changed quite a bit. I've relaxed. I used to think that, and it's funny because I just said this, but I used to think that four days would break me. Five days, two weeks in Maui would break me. There's value in saying like, hey, eating a certain way just makes me feel good. And that's important. And I want to feel physically good on vacation. Like I don't want to feel like, oh, you know, like I ate too much or whatever, like ate a certain type of food that doesn't sit well with me. But I used to try to mimic the way that I ate at home on vacation. And that created a lot of stress for me and for my family. So it was like a lot of trips to the grocery store, going to certain grocery stores, making sure I got what I needed. I know my mom is a little bit into nutrition, but for her, it, she's a little bit more sensitive to sodium and some of this other stuff. So she's, she'll still plan ahead for certain things. She's loosened up a little bit too, but yeah, it was, it was stressful. It was like, you know, we wouldn't really go for lunch. We would pack our lunch for the beach, which is like, I pack my lunch every single day for work or back then I did or for school. Like, I don't want to pack my lunch on vacation. But I did because I thought that it mattered. Now I could be like, okay, let's just find lunch out. Okay, we'll go for tacos. Oh, we're going to go somewhere that doesn't have protein. Okay, that's fine. Like, I'll be fine. Again, it depends on the the duration of the the vacation and what I have going on. Like, if I'm going somewhere and I'm running a marathon there in a few days, I'm not just going to eat willy-nilly. So yeah, it depends. But I would say nutrition in the past has caused a lot of stress for me on vacation and also fitness as well. Like, it's like, oh, we got to find the gym. I have to go to a certain time to do open gym. I need to do my programming. Like a few days off doesn't matter. And when we recently went to Tanzania, I was saying that thankfully for me, that trip had been postponed for two years due to COVID. And in those two years, I had changed a lot regarding my nutrition. And thankfully, because I don't think I could have gone on that vacation two and a half years ago just because I had absolutely no control over food. And I think sometimes what it takes for somebody who does get very stressed about traveling and their nutrition and staying on plan, in quotes, is committing to not doing that, leaning into the discomfort, looking at the positives, like, hey, I can enjoy my mornings. I'm not packing my lunch and I'm just going to go out for lunch. Enjoying lunch, enjoying the fact that you're getting fresh fish tacos and french fries and not eating a cold sandwich or leftovers from the dinner the night before, focusing on the positives, getting to the end of vacation, getting home, getting back into your routine and realize nothing bad happened. And that's what it took for me. And you didn't pressure me. It took the time that it took, but you, a lot of the time you were just say, why don't we just go out for lunch? And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, there was a bit of a compromise and a, and a transition where I'd be like, hey, well, can we go to this restaurant? This looks something like something I can, I can order, but it takes time. If you can get past it and find that balance that works for you, like truly works, it doesn't make you feel stressed, but makes you feel happy and successful is really the dream. Yeah. And I, I think that part of our goal with everyone that we work with, whether they're high level athletes or, you know, most of the people who we work with are just kind of normal people. It's establishing a framework for decision making. And that's really the value with paying attention to your nutrition and doing it in a way that is educational. Like it's our program and any good nutrition program. It's not about tracking macros. That's not the program. It's about learning what's in your food. It's about adding structure to your days. It's about making decisions that are in line with your goals, whether you can quantify 
the food that you're eating or not. And so that's the value. And that's the sticking point that a lot of people who work with, either they work off templates or they work with different companies. They get into these situations where they're on the road on vacation or you know with friends or for work and they can't track their food. And so they just give up because to them, tracking their food is the program. But we're saying it's not our program. It's a tool to help develop a better understanding and a framework for decision-making. That's it. And you can take that tool on vacation. And also you can make decisions that don't look quite the same as the decisions that you make on an everyday basis, because you will also hopefully develop some understanding and respect for the, the pattern of it's what you do most of the time that matters and not some of the time. And unless like you just live your life on vacation, which if that's you, awesome, good for you. Please let me know what you've done for your career. Most people don't do that. So there's an enormous opportunity to incorporate good nutrition and decisions in everyday life that empower more flexibility when you're on vacation. It's kind of like, I mean, we use financial examples all of the time, but a person who is frivolous with their spending probably experiences more stress day to day regarding money than a person who is more frugal with their spending. They probably experience more stress when it's time to pay for a vacation than the person who utilizes a budget and budgets for a vacation. And it's the same with food. It's the same with nutrition. Having good nutrition and making good decisions on a daily basis in your normal life should help you feel empowered to enjoy some time off when you go on vacation. Now, if you're someone who struggles with daily habits, struggles with overeating, isn't quite there with their diet or with their exercise, then vacation might introduce some stress in the same way that it does financially for people because you're like, oh, well, I'm not quite there. And if that's the case, it might be beneficial to push a little bit harder in the direction of your goals on vacation. So maybe do things a little bit differently. Maybe it's not starting with alcoholic beverages until 3 or 4 p.m. rather than starting at 11 a.m. Maybe it's having a relatively balanced breakfast and lunch and then a more indulgent dinner. Those decisions are for you pushing in the right direction. Whereas someone who's extremely dialed in with their nutrition, those decisions would represent a deviation. Really, both of those people are getting to the same place, which is a good place, but their mindsets around it are going to be a little bit different. Yeah, like I have I have some people who track diligently and when they go on vacation, I know that they probably want to track because it's comfortable for them. So I have to nudge them and like, hey, how about we don't track? Like this is a good, I think this might be good for you. How do you feel? And often they, they come around, they say, you know what? I like this idea, time off my phone, that sort of thing. A newer client who's going on vacation, I straight up say like, how are you feeling about tracking? Some people will say, you know what? I'm worried about this. I don't know if I will be able to, like I don't like being on my phone. And then you talk about just maybe structuring general guidelines like, all right, do you usually go out every single meal on vacation? Let's plan on eating breakfast in, like you mentioned. Then there are other people who say, I want to track because tracking is a tool that keeps me mindful. So even though it's not going to be perfect, I would rather log a chicken sandwich from a restaurant than go for the burger and fries because I know that that will help inform my decisions and that will help keep me on track. 
Mm-hmm. But it will also allow for some flexibility. Maybe I won't track that dinner I'm planning on having with my friend that I haven't seen in two years. Yeah. So it's like, again, it's so individual. But I think you're right. The takeaway for each individual person is something that makes you feel like you're honoring your your goals. Whatever the goal is. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to kind of give, I guess, five tools or provide a, a bit of a f- a framework for decision making with regards to taking nutrition on the road. It encompasses sort of five key points. So we'll talk through each one. So the first one is, and I use this for everyday eating as well, just like eating out, utility eating versus pleasure eating. And so the way that I explain this one in everyday life is pleasure eating is a meal that is scheduled and planned on for the sole purpose of enjoying it. So maybe you're going with your significant other, it's an anniversary dinner. It's something that is sort of a special occasion. And for vacation, this can be multiple meals and multiple days in a row, that's okay. But it's not something that really we wanna be fretting over the specific macronutrient breakdown. Like it, it serves a different goal than like fueling activities. It's not serving the purpose of being nutritionally excellent, if that makes sense, versus utility eating, which is what I consider to be a meal that is replacing a meal that would otherwise be cooked at home or planned for. And so with utility eating, I think in like if if you're taking utility eating on the road, for many people, it'd be like a, a work trip. Or maybe a bachelorette trip that you don't really want to go on. Or like, like a, I don't want to use my vacation time. I don't want to, like, from using a financial metaphor, it's like, I don't really want to spend a ton of money on this trip. Yeah. Because it's not really something I'm going to enjoy. But I'm obligated to go. Exactly. So I'm going to, like, save as much money as I can so that I can spend my money later and go to Mexico with the people I like. Oh, Alex, that was such a good Thank analogy. you. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't really want to just, like, eat all these things yeah because like i don't really like want to be here yeah and maybe you don't like all of the people that you're with yeah like maybe you don't love your colleagues maybe you don't like everyone who's on the bachelorette trip and again maybe you're budgeting for something that you're actually going to enjoy that's like a few weeks or months down the road and so in that case you would make decisions that look a little bit more like the way you eat at home maybe you are tracking your macros maybe you are opting for lean protein sauce on the side you know, lots of uh, fresh vegetables on the plate. You're, no you're, alcohol. You're mimicking your meals at home. That's utility eating. Pleasure eating, you're eating hollandaise sauce. You're eating high fat cuts of meat. You're enjoying the experience of the food. And you're not, you're certainly not mimicking what you would necessarily prepare at home. Maybe you are, maybe you're a chef, but for most people, probably not. So that's, it's kind of, it's, it's delineating. What's the purpose of the trip? Are you going to enjoy it or is it an obligation? And then deciding based on that, how do we want to experience the trip and specifically the food? Yeah, and I think you can also merge those two. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you you might want to have a utilitarian meals for breakfast because you're like, eh, I'm not really a breakfast person. So I'm going to do like a really like basic breakfast of eggs and toast or maybe I'm just going to do oatmeal in the hotel room. And then later for dinner, I'm going to have more calories to kind of like use for something for dessert something that i'm really going to enjoy so you you can blend the approaches that's like generally what we recommend doing but it's it kind of boils down to understanding the purpose of the trip utility versus pleasure or like some combination of the two maybe you're going for a lame bachelorette weekend and then tacking on a solo trip for yourself and so maybe that influences how you make decisions around food 
but no right or wrong way to do it. Just give some thought to what the purpose is. I think a lot of people experience a lot of guilt when they get back home and they're like, oh, that, that wasn't really worth it. The expenditure, it wasn't really wor- what I wanted. So spending some time thinking about it ahead of time can help you avoid that situation. On that note, this is tip 1A. It's a sub, a yeah, sub note. Okay. With the utility meal, you might experience some pushback from the people that you're around. Oh, go on. So let's say you're at a bachelorette and you say, you know what? I don't really like my brother's wife's friends. Who does? I'm going to just not, I'm not going to splurge on this trip. I'm here out of obligation. And your brother's wife's friends really want you to drink and partake in the festivities. Mm. So you're feeling a lot of, peer pressure to drink these pink cocktails out of penis straws (laughs) and you're like but i'm gay (laughs) that too so establishing and honestly having a plan and knowing what you're going to say a bit of a script can really help in those moments especially starting out after a while you get really good at, at saying thanks but no thanks in many different ways and forms and then once you get to where i'm at nobody even asks anymore that's true but it, it it's not it's not a bad thing to say thanks but no thanks like have boundaries and and uphold them yeah that's okay and if if somebody is hurt from that that's not on you you are not responsible for another person's feelings no If it's like your grandma who's cooked you a special cake, then maybe, maybe you have a slice of cake. But if it's, you know, there's... What if it's your grandma who wants you to do like shots of grappa? Yeah, then I don't know. You you make the call. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, be sensitive to the person, but don't be the yes man because it's more comfortable because it's really not in the end. It's not comfortable for you. No, and it's often will be something that you regret doing. And like... It's worth saying, usually we you think that people care more than they actually do. In reality, most people are, are far too self-centered to give a crap about what you do. They might bug you about it a couple of times. It might look like they don't care, though. They really don't. Or they do care more about themselves because often what happens when you make a healthy decision, and this could probably, this used to happen to me in work environments where I was a healthy person and everybody knew it and I would make healthy choices and they wouldn't and they would give me crap about it. And it was more often than not because when they don't make a decision that is healthy and they see somebody else doing it, it forces them to look a little bit more critically at what they've decided to do. And maybe they don't like that. Yeah, it can create some discomfort. And so to make themselves feel better in that moment, they'll say, why do you eat so healthy? What are you, a health freak? Why do you have one drink? Hmm. You know, why do you have to be a, whatever they people say? Why now? you got to be a stick in the mud? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't am a stick in the mud. Yeah, it own it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I used to, I think a lot of people do deal with that in yeah. certain environments. And again, There might be a time for comfort. Like if you're trying to get a new client or fit in with the crew, like maybe, yeah, have a drink and just sip sip really slowly. Because again, like drinking food, it's social and it's a way to connect. And so, yeah, here's a hack too. like 
if you're in that situation and people are bothering you or you're worried about people bothering you, order a club soda in lime and lime in a low ball. It looks like a mixed drink. No one bothers you. Why do bartenders always give water in the giant glasses? I don't know. Oh I just asked for I like club soda, low ball with a lime. And people are like, oh, is that a vodka soda? Yeah, it is. I, it's low calorie. That's why I why opt for vodka and tequilas it's not it's just soda water with a lime but it will keep people off your back yeah and then when you and when it's time for shots you just like toss it over your shoulder <laughs> just don't toss it on someone like that's the key if you're worried you just buy the round of shots no one even pays attention to whether you take it or not because they're just so worried about getting their own shot they're for own free shot exactly there are many hacks to this but i think even when people are uncomfortable with your decisions that's still them caring more about themselves than you yeah and so it's like it's important to remember where that comes from all right number two and this is a really easy question for most people do you have significant and time sensitive goals and the answer usually is no next I mean, that's like, that's, that's what you were talking about earlier, which is like, you know, are you an athlete going into world cup season? Do you have a race in two or three days after your travel? Is there something on the calendar that is very important, like 10 out of 10 important? And that nutrition is going to impact. Yeah. Because sometimes it won't. No, I did have, so for many years or not many, but a couple years, I, I did Olympic weightlifting at a national level. So USAW nationals and American open and the American open was always scheduled for like early December. And so I always remember having to basically skip Thanksgiving dinner because for, for two years, so I, I competed competitively for three years In two of those years, I was cutting down to the 53 kilo class, which for me was about a nine pound cut at that time yeah and you didn't have a lot to cut no i was essentially going from yeah like 128 pounds to a uh, 115 Ooh. <laughs> so yeah i couldn't eat thanksgiving dinner i could have like the green beans and like a sniff of gravy <laughs> but it was like, you were able were you allowed to smell the food i couldn't get too close because yeah the bloating is <laughs> in the air at thanksgiving <laughs> So, yeah, but that was that was a situation where I, I had something I was legitimately one week into my two week weight cut. And that's when Thanksgiving would be. And so like le- straight up legitimately could not afford to deviate from my nutrition plan. And even like the third year when I was competing as a 58, so I, I didn't cut weight. You still have to kind of manage it like you don't want to go and eat a meal that's going to cause you to to put on like six or seven pounds of water weight because you have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So that would be an example of having a significant and time sensitive goal. But you can see how specific that example is to not only having an athletic event on the calendar, but having an athletic event event that involves how much you weigh. We're talking that kind of goal. If you don't have that, then... I'm not saying like, you know, go buck wild, but you can certainly explore more flexible eating options, right? Yeah. 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 I think if if somebody is very motivated and determined to stick to their plan to like achieve a goal, whether it's to lose weight or change their body composition or whatever, they don't need to be told. To track, to stay on track. They they are already saying like, I'm yeah. I'm fine. I'm gonna do it. 
can you help me with this meal? What should I order? Yeah. And I never push back on on people who have those goals and I know they're very important to them and I, I we've talked about it. I'm not likely to try to convince that person to do something other than what they want to do. Mm-hmm. It's the people who are showing up and they're they're conflicted and they want to have a conversation about it. That's when I'm I'm going to be like, "Hey, like let's talk about your other goals. Let's talk about what value food and restaurant eating brings to your life because it seems like something that is important to you." So, I mean, it, you know, just it depends. That's a perfect shift into number three, which is to to be present and honor your enjoyment of the cultural and social benefits of eating and drinking. That's it. It's reminding yourself when you're feeling conflicted in a moment that you're making decisions for a specific reason because it honors a value that you have and it's a way to connect with the people who you're with. And at the end of the day, That's what we're here to do. And food does play a role in that. It doesn't need to be the only reason you go on vacation. You know, a lot of people will will just eat their way through vacations and they will find that very, and I'm not, not even like good food, but good food, good company, like connecting over a meal, that is an experience that is hard to beat, honor it. I mean, some of our best memories, legitimately, I'm not even joking, like, I remember our times at really nice restaurants where we enjoyed a special meal that was foods that we wouldn't prepare ourselves. And part of it is we we do it pretty infrequently, but they are, every single one of them is special. Yeah. Are they more special the more expensive they are? To Meredith, yes. Yeah. That's our one thing. You always like going on fancy meal dinners, whereas like I don't as much, but I think that I value how much you value them. They're special to me because I see how the enjoyment yeah. that you experience. Well, it's like, like a them. whole, like I go on a hunt. Like when we're in a, a city, I used to do this more than I do. We don't travel to foodie places anymore, but I would just like in advance scour the restaurant scene and come up with, you know, I would know the story of the chef. <laughs> I would know the story of where they get their ingredients from. That's the experience that I like. When I go to Charleston, I'm going to eat at Husk. Not because I think it's the best restaurant ever. It's very good. And I love that story. I love getting to sit down there and be a part of what they're doing. And it's the same thing when we go to new places in Calgary or even like going to Nobu. Like, I love that story. It's a very thoughtful Thing. And that's why I love it so much because I can just sit there and be present in this decision that I've made and like bask in my superiority for having made it and knowing more about it than most of the people sitting in the restaurant. Okay, so a story about this because people like stories. When I decided not to be a lawyer, we decided to go on a Vegas trip. to celebrate my birthday, which was in close succession to me being called to the bar. And I had won a competition in the summer and I won $2,400. I completely forgot about that. So I was like, I'm going to use this money. And I didn't have very much money. Like I was, I graduated from, from law school and was working at this firm and like I was making whatever I was, but I had just started paying like my own rent and stuff because my dad had helped me through school. And so I didn't have anything really. And like now I didn't really have a job because I was quitting. So I'd saved $2,400 to go to Vegas. And we basically, 
we went in, like on the weekdays where it wasn't very expensive to stay in this hotel and we got kind of cheap seats for shows and then eating out we weren't really planning but it was my birthday so Meredith wanted to go to Nobu for my birthday and I had been to Nobu my mom had taken me a couple times before and I knew how expensive it was so I was like so stressed about not the food but the cost of the Mm -hmm. food and this was like leading I was like we're gonna spend $2,400 on this whole trip and then spend like $500 on a dinner that's legitimately how much a Nobu dinner costs. Yeah. Or like maybe $350. I didn't look at the bill. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice. My mom gave us a little envelope of money to <laughs> use on that dinner. Yeah. Because I think she knew how stressed out I was about it. Yeah. But yes, it. thinking back to that dinner, even if we had paid for it, it would have been quite special. Yeah. And I still remember that dessert. It was like a dome. And yeah. it was so delicious and so beautiful. It was like a miso dessert not something i would ever order yeah but we ordered it because the waiter was like this is the one and we were like okay and then we ordered it and it was astounding and that was an experience i'm not even a food person yeah but i'll remember that that yeah that was a good little little experience yeah so i don't know figure out what you know what you like to do and then honor that do it do your thing don't worry about it if it's important to you yeah don't feel bad about that kind of thing do I know what the heck we ate at Nobu? No, I have no idea. But I mean, like, I remember most of the dishes. Well, yeah, but I mean like quantifiably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember the food. Yeah. Can't forget that food. Do not try to log Nobu. No, no. But Nobu is in MyFitnessPal. Is it? Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Yeah, I saw one of my clients had logged. It's probably like a, someone who did RP who was like, my coach so is going to shame annoying. me if I don't log it. Yeah, probably so. One of my clients logged Nobu something and I was like, oh my God, you go to Nobu? And they're like, no, it was just one of the first entries. Oh. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, you should go to Nobu though. It's really good. Okay, so we'll move on to a couple of tools. They're really easy. I only have two tools that I recommend people use if they are trying to track or they are giving some attention to. And again, this is so person dependent. But if let's say you are going to a place like New York City and you're staying at a downtown hotel where that's like basically the size of this bedroom, and no refrigerator, no fresh food access. You're eating out all of the time, all meals out. That's not the worst time to intermittent fast. If you know you're going to be eating an indulgent lunch and an indulgent dinner, if you can hold off and just like skip breakfast or have something very light, that's a good way to keep calories sort of managed if you're interested in managing them. I do this a lot. This is probably my number one tactic if I know I'm going to be eating out, which is so funny because I'm so anti-intermittent fasting. Meredith, I do not like this about Meredith. Yeah. Because I have major hunger in the morning. Yeah, this is, we just differ. So it puts us in a, in a situation where like Alex is sometimes left without food or having to fend for herself or be like, well, what's your plan for breakfast? And I have to be like, well, I'm, I'm not eating breakfast because we're having, you know, lunch at this place and dinner at this place. And I just, I want to, Keep it in check. If you're not someone who experiences high hunger in the morning or just like generally, maybe you don't have a lot of hunger, which I don't, I don't I'm not a like hungry person. And most importantly, I'm not training for anything. Like that's that also has to be said. This is not something I would do if I was hitting training really hard or I had like competitive events coming up. But like just in my sort of leisurely casual style of fitness now, I can skip breakfast and be in an okay shape for lunch at like noon and also it doesn't cause me to to like overeat like I, I don't get 
so hungry that I I just go on like a feeding frenzy. Like that's just, I know that about myself. So this is something that works really well for me. With that said, as you can see, not something that works well for Alex. Yeah, so what I do, and this is a tip that I help some of my clients with is figuring out what you can bring into the hotel room and and have for like filling gaps. So snacks, like if you're gonna, you know, be eating out for dinners and you're somebody who needs to eat a little bit more frequently, having snacks on hand is helpful. If you have a fridge, like buying some cold cuts from the grocery store isn't a bad idea. Yeah. But I always have breakfast food. Yeah. Always have breakfast food. Because <laughs> I know Meredith's not going to eat. She has her Stroop waffles with her coffee and then doesn't eat. So I usually bring, we usually buy some yogurt at yeah. the store if there's a fridge. And then you get those little protein shakes that don't need to be refrigerated. Yeah. And I always bring individual oatmeal packets because you can get hot water. Almost anywhere. Anywhere. Because you get coffee. So you just get some hot water and and then, yeah, peanut butter and jam. Like there's a ton of different things that you can bring. That yeah. I will say like I, I'm doing this with the understanding that like there's I'm not hitting a protein target like I'm not getting enough protein in on that day but it's not something I do every day so it works I keep calories in control for you know what I want deal with low protein get to enjoy something that's a little bit higher in fat and carbs and move on that's it the other tool that I recommend is I just call them placeholders the one that I've coined recently I call the patio placeholder since we're patio season in Calgary but you know, some places are patio season year round, but this is just a way to, if you're interested in quantifying or tracking, but you know, you're going to be out for a dinner or something that you, you don't, don't know what it's, what you're going to be having. And you don't want to get your phone out and necessarily track. You can just track like a, a placeholder. So you just log a certain number of calories, maybe like six to 800 calories or a certain number of macronutrients that equate to that put that in as like a quick ad or a custom meal entry for dinner and then log the rest of your day, put it away. So it allows you to kind of carve out and allocate calories for eating and drinking in the evening without having to fret and enter in things as you go. You accept whatever error comes with that, which if you're eating out on vacation, there's going to be a significant amount of error anyways, but it gives you something to put in and work around for the rest of the day. Maybe if you're at your Airbnb and you're, you know, weighing and measuring or doing a, a more diligent job with macros, you plop that in there, construct the rest of your day, and then move on. Those are the only two tools outside of what we've already talked about. Yeah, I think one thing I always tell my clients, and this goes for not on vacation too, because sometimes life gets in the way. If you're somebody who wants to track, the placeholder is a great idea. It can also be very helpful just to track calories because protein on vacation is number one, expensive, and number two, very inconvenient and hard to find. Instead of worrying about the fact that you're not gonna hit your protein, because unless you're buying like protein shakes or bringing protein, which isn't the worst idea, shooting for calories can allow you to kind of stay in the range of quantity, but allows a little bit more flexibility for eating out or having snacks or treats that are maybe a little bit higher carb and fat and, and still feeling like you're having success. Yeah, exactly. And then number five, it's not really like a tool or a frame, part of the framework. Well, it is part of the framework and it's just relax, have fun. Remember life is short and, you know, if get back from vacation and you're like, I wish I hadn't done this or hadn't eaten that, it's all learning. It's all a learning opportunity. So take it for what it is. And then most importantly, like remember to enjoy it. That's the most important part. I will say one kind of pro tip is if you are somebody who is keeping your eye on your body weight. 
Do not weigh yourself the day that you get back from vacation and use that as a way to determine if you were successful on vacation. Number one, even if your weight isn't impacted by travel and what you eat out of the ordinary, it just, it isn't a good way to assess your success, but your weight is so impacted by travel. Flying is stressful. It can cause a lot of bloating and then eating out even one meal that is very high in sodium can cause a lot of water retention, which yeah. can impact your weight by many pounds. Yeah. So I usually recommend if clients are coming back from vacation and they want to like hit it hard, don't weigh yourself. Just like get back into it for a week or so, maybe even two weeks and then weigh yourself. If that's something that you do to measure progress, it's never a good idea to weigh yourself the day you get back from vacation. No, it's not indicative of, of anything. Yeah. Unless you're like, you're detached enough from it and genuinely curious as to what kind of change can occur after travel. Yeah. You yeah. can measure, you can weigh, take it like for what it is and say, oh, wow, I'm five pounds over than what I was when I left. And then a week later be like, oh, I lost those five pounds. That's so good to know. Weird. That is good to know. Yeah. yeah if, if you care. Yeah. But it also yeah requires enough detachment from that number emotionally to be able to handle the experience of seeing it not be what you expect. Okay. We'll wrap it up with a couple of quick stories of the trips that we have been on together, Alex, which one was the most challenging from a nutrition standpoint, excluding Tanzania? We went on a trip once. It was for work. It was to go to see a like a sponsor of mine and we didn't have a car and we were staying in this like kind of like remote weird town with like no restaurants. And the owner of the company who I was kind of in contact with was just like kind of a spaz, kind of disorganized. And like we were legitimately just like left without food and without a way to get around. It was brutal. Yeah, that one was pretty. I would say that was probably the most stressful because it was like I didn't know where you couldn't even get to the grocery store to go get like supplies. The only thing that we could get to was a Panda Express. That was legit the only food around. <laughs> and you could either walk it was like over a mile to walk there and then a mile to walk back or you could uber that was it again it was like we didn't have that much money back then and uber like a 40 dollar uber was a lot yeah i think yeah. i ended up renting a car you eventually. did you were like enough enough yeah i, can't. I think we ended up renting a car and going to the big ocean city. yeah yeah i think that one of the most challenging ones was when we went to copenhagen Oh, after our trip that to was Sweden. tough. Not not that the food was bad. It was very expensive and there was no protein. And everything, all the portions were tiny. Yeah, really small, which I, I appreciate for other reasons, but also like just very small, very expensive. The breakfast at the hotel, which was free, was basically bread and cheese. <laughs> that was the breakfast. I think you did like you ate like five hard boiled eggs every breakfast. I was just like crushing hard boiled eggs and brie. <laughs> It was like hard-boiled eggs, brie, and croissants. That's what I had. And for again, breakfast. you'd walk away with like twenty grams of protein. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would say that is that was. Europe most... is tough for protein. It's a tough one. Yes. So I yeah. think our our meals in Copenhagen without we weren't drinking any alcohol, we're averaging like a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. For like meatballs. Yeah, we were, we were ordering meatballs because it was like, well, at least there's protein. That was stressful. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the best. So Meredith ordered like a sparkling water and it was like 
$22. Oh my gosh, that started an actual fight. I was like, don't ever order something that doesn't have any calories. And is $22. Yeah. I really like sparkling water. Sorry. I didn't I didn't do the math and realize it was $22. Tanzania was tough because we, yeah, we were at the whim of of the meals that they served. Mm. And breakfast was basically a buffet usually. And then you ordered like omelets on the side. So you could like really pound breakfast, which I usually did. Because I knew we weren't going to eat until like one. We were eating breakfast at six. Yeah. And I had just done like the most high intensity workout. A thousand reps. Literally a thousand reps of whatever I had chosen on that day. I think I did 200 burpee box jumps onto like a 24 inch chest. Yeah. Took me like, what was it? Like 15 minutes. And like, it was basically like running a 5K high effort. So anyways... Then lunch would be like a one serving lunch at like one. And then you wouldn't eat again until seven. And again, it was like, and they, they very similar to like the Europeans. Small portion size. Yeah. Pretty low calorie. I was getting headaches every I day. I was dizzy yeah. by the time lunch came. Yeah. I was like eating my parents' food. Yeah. And then by the end of the trip, I was stealing stuff at breakfast. And like hoarding like, like a score. I had one baggie because I think plastic is illegal there yeah so one bag he got through and i would just keep reusing it and saying and then by the end i was like i'm gonna need some snacks yeah you're gonna need to pack snacks for the safari yeah the and then safari. it would literally be just a giant box of cashews they were great cashews so <laughs> they were local do you remember the we the one morning we ordered they had a whipped egg white omelet yeah and I was like, ooh, that sounds kind of nice. But really what it ended up being, this was so weird. Was air? Was like warm meringue <laughs> with like cheese and asparagus. And I was like, this is, the texture is so wrong. You're like, you're like, you kind of want it to be a dessert, but then you get to a, like a spear of asparagus and like goat cheese. And it just like, I, I don't even think, I, I didn't get through it. I, I appreciated the attempt. And I was like, this is a, a war- savory meringue is not, I would not recommend that. I just, I remember like my dad is a pretty small person. We're like both the same size, like 150. And he's like me, he like likes eating a lot in the morning. So like the two of us at breakfast, it was like a feeding frenzy. Yeah. You'd have to bring, you'd have to get the yogurt, cereal, <laughs> the omelet, the toast. Yeah. And then I would be eating because sometimes they'd have like pastries. I'd be eating those. The one like, I got to pack like a thousand calories just to get to lunch. <laughs> I know. And then I was like, I have an idea. I'll just fill up on bran. <laughs> and let me tell you, filling up on bran sounds a lot better than it actually, Not that's not a good idea. Yeah. I think also... Knowing they're going to be bouncing around in a rover, whatever they're called, for hours. Lessons were learned. I got a stomachache, and I'm not exaggerating, every day. Absolutely. Every day I got a stomachache. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Alex, another banger. Thank you so much for being on the show again. You're welcome. I appreciate you every time you decide to show up in our podcast studio. You're welcome. It means the world. It's hard to get here. It's hard to fit this in, but I'm every time I do it, I'm glad. Yeah. I feel like I always provide something that people can take away. Yeah. So you're welcome. Yeah, you do. Thanks for listening. As always, really appreciate you. Like, subscribe, share, and we will catch you on the next one. <laughs>